Good morning everyone. It's not great to be back online again speaking to you. I far prefer preaching to people rather than talking to a camera. But it's the situation we're in once again. Um, I don't enjoy preaching at the best of times, but talking to an anonymous camera is more intimidating than anything. But God has blessed us with the opportunity to keep in contact with each other despite the COVID restrictions reimposed on us. And we should be thankful, obviously, for whatever things we can do to maintain contact with each other. Thanks also to Anne for, for reading that passage, Psalm 90, written by Moses. Moses was a man who knew time and knew God better than most of us. Um, both the misuse of time as well as how to use it properly. <clears throat> he was brought up in a very privileged position within Egypt, within the courts of the Pharaoh, and then he lost it all and ended up minding sheep in the desert for 40 years. He went from privilege to poverty, and then he went to that greatest position of all to serving God. It's a reminder to us that however well we may do in this life, the greatest Thing we can do is to serve the living God as, as Moses ended up doing. It was a roller coaster journey and he learned from it. Uh, he learned both in the wilderness minding sheep and in the wilderness minding God's people, shepherding them also. He knew the value of counting each day <clears throat> as being precious and made the most of his time serving the Lord. We are creatures of time. That's the first thing we are reminded here. We are creatures of time. We've learned a lot in time, <coughs> in, <coughs> excuse me, over history. We've learned a lot about time. We probably started with maybe a sundial or something, mankind to keep track of the hours. And then we got it down to minutes. We got it down perhaps with an hourglass. We kept track of time and finally we we came up with clocks and we came up with electronic, electrical clocks with everything. Now we have, I'm recording onto a phone, it's keeping track of every second that I'm speaking to you. And we can split time into nanoseconds. We can keep track of it as never before. We can account for every moment. We even have a pipe dream of perhaps travelling someday through time. And yet the irony is we still do not have enough time. And that's really because perhaps we waste it more than any other generation. We invent ways to pass the time and then complain that we don't have enough time. We think of time as belonging to us for our benefit. But like everything in creation, time was not made for us. Time belongs to God. And if man takes it and says it's mine, like anything in creation, we have a tendency to abuse the good gifts God gives us. And they come back to destroy us. We are caught up in time. We cannot escape it. So let's consider how to make the most of it. It's why Moses urges us to remember to number our days aright. That's the first thing he says. We are creatures of time. Number your days aright. <clears throat> he also tells us we are creatures of frailty. It's why Moses speaks of our lives as being troubled, filled with sorrow, and we suffer and die. And we finish our lives with a moan, he says. 
and it's a bit depressing surely and and life is a struggle um i look at my grandchildren and life seems so innocent for them and i remember my children at the same age and they fell they hurt themselves they cut their knee perhaps they cry but then they go to sleep that night and their troubles are over their troubles are so small their lives are so innocent and so easy they have no idea of the world around them it, it reminds me a little bit of um there was a song I remember when I was a youngster called the Liverpool Lullaby. It was sung by, uh, oh, the Liverpool lady. Anyway, um, it was called the Liverpool Loverby. And, and she says, oh, you are a mucky kid, dirty as a dustbin lid. You look so scruffy lying there, strawberry dam jam tarts in your hair. In all the world you haven't a care. And I have got so many. And it's a mother complaining about the struggle of life and looking at the innocence of her child. <clears throat> and yet these children are growing up into a world of struggle and pain. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pain both physical and mental, pain both emotional and personal. And the innocence of childhood cannot remain, we, we all know that, because they must grow up into a world of that simply it's cursed by sin and that is the reason why this world is so difficult because of the curse of sin that's upon it. The curse of sin is clawing at this world and that's what makes it such a, a very, very forbidding place. It affects everything, all of creation, from the virus that's affecting us to wars, to selfishness, even the very farthest of our, the universe has been cursed and affected by sin and in a world of decay and pain a world of frustration and accidents and ultimately a world of death all of that is the effect of sin and it, it reminds us <coughs> excuse me that we are creatures of mortality Moses says that all our days pass away under your wrath we finish our years with a moan the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the span and, and that's the reality of life modern man has, has done great things to improve our lifespan um, we can now perhaps push it up to 90 even 100 years yet it, it is a struggle and we end our years with a moan like the flowers of the field it passes and Psalm 103 says, takes it a step further, it says, and its place remembers it no more. And uh, I'm, I'm sure if you're any age at all, you've wandered through old graveyards at times and you see the old headstones and they, they name someone, perhaps John Murphy or something like that, born in 1845, died 1897 or something like that. You think, who was he? Does anyone remember him? And the reality is probably not. Probably not. 100 years and the memory of him has faded. No one remembers. Do you remember your great-grandparents? Probably not. Go back a couple of generations. You certainly don't remember your great-great-grandparents. And nobody does. They are forgotten. They may be a name on a genealogical list but 
what they were like, who they were, no one remembers anymore. They might have existed, might have been vibrant and healthy one time, achieving perhaps great things, but like some Ozymandias, now they are long gone, and no one remembers anything about them anymore. Our years fly away, Moses reminds us, and we too will soon be gone forever. We will be forgotten, is the frightening thing. Time catches up with everyone. Death will visit all of us. And in the midst of our awareness of our mortality, we're also aware that we are creatures of wrath. And that's what the, the psalmist is telling us here. We are ultimately creatures of God's wrath. You teach your ch children <clears throat> when they're young that if they touch something hot, they'll burn themselves. We're, we're aware of, of the laws of, of nature. If, if you step off a, a cliff face, you will fall. You can defy gravity, but it will call you to account. God has given us laws, the laws of nature, laws of gravity, the, the cycle of, of rain, the the laws of burning things, everything. There are laws in nature and man cannot defy these things. They are God's natural laws. And to every action there's an equal and opposite reaction is one of the things we have learned in nature. So as I say, you teach your children when they're young, touch something hot and you'll burn yourself. You teach them that so that they won't have to learn it by hard experience it will save them a lot of grief through life. And so equally, if we defy God's moral laws, his guidelines for living, not just for individuals, but indeed for all of society, there are consequences. We flout God's laws to our own cost. God's laws, they cannot be ignored. We must take heed of God's laws. Moses is reminding us he is a God of wrath. He allows the effects of disobeying his laws in nature to call us to an awareness of the consequences of disobeying him. It's an awareness, a reminder of the failings of our own being, our own sin. If we disobey God, we will suffer the consequences. He is a God of wrath. His wrath is as great as the fear that is due to him. And if we ignore the fear of God, we will face the wrath of God, is what he is telling us here. So bring up your children to obey the laws of nature. You're going to teach them that naturally enough. But there are other laws, God-given laws, his moral laws, that have equal consequence, not just for this life, but for the life to come. They do have consequence for this life. If you do not train your children in how to behave properly with regard to living in this world morally and with integrity, there are consequences for that. There are consequences here and now. Family life is affected. Society is affected. Both yours and theirs. You ignore God's laws at your cost and you bring much heartache on yourself so too for your children. He says, make your deeds be known to your servants, your splendor to their children. Make us wise to teach our children the value of keeping God's laws. 
Society will flout God's laws at its cost. And society that flouts God's laws is sending people to a lost eternity, to condemnation. And it's, we are told to, to fear God for this reason. And the whole psalm is written to remind us how brief is our life. We will not go on forever. And after we die, we live a few short years. We are gone from the face of this earth. And yet we are not gone completely. Because the reality is, as well as, as being creatures of time, creatures of frailty, creatures of mortality, we are also creatures of eternity. We do not die when we die. It's good to remember that though the years fly by, and they certainly do, I know it myself, um, yeah, time flies. They fly through trouble and sorrow, through joy and through peace. And the years, they are leading us somewhere. It's so vital that we remember this life is not all we have. Moses does not explicitly mention eternity in this psalm. But here it is very much a theme of scripture. And again, the end of the psalm reminds us that we are working not for this life alone. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Take heed of every day. Not to achieve something for ourselves, but to achieve something into eternity. God is from everlasting to everlasting, is what Moses tells us. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. One of the things we have in common with God, it says we are made in his image. It doesn't say that of the animals. It doesn't say that of the plants. But it says, man, we are made in the image of God. And what he means by that, one of the things is, we are eternal beings. We do not end our years when we face the end of this earth. We go into eternity. And so he says, make us all aware of our eternal nature and our eternal accountability teach us to number our days aright make your life count is what he's saying make every moment count on this earth live it a day at a time with an awareness that although the days fly by and they certainly do and it's over in a flash but it does not end there we simply go into eternity when we leave this life. Establish the work of our hands, he says. Let me leave something of consequence. Don't waste your time on earth, is what he's saying to you and to me. Don't waste your moments. They're too precious. They are so, so precious. Given to you and to me by God. They are, yeah, just precious. We go into eternity and he says, establish the work of our hands. Don't waste the opportunities that God gives you. Don't waste them. Make sure that you leave a lasting legacy. When that headstone is there, that you will have been someone of consequence. Man may not recognize it. But for God, no one knows where, where Moses was buried. It, it says that in the scriptures. Moses died, and to this day no one knows where he was buried. 
but they mourned for him. But he left a legacy, the legacy of a people who knew a man who knew his God. Your headstone may say nothing of your life, but let let your life say something into the succeeding generations. Let your life have meaning into eternity. COVID-19 has cast a, a pall over the whole of earth, really. It's robbed us of our freedom. It has cast fear into our lives, into society, and uncertainty now hovers over mankind as, as never before. What does the future hold? Will we ever get on top of this thing? We do not know what COVID-19 has in store for us, what the future has in store for us. And many people would say 2020 was a, a lost year. There's nothing to show for it. I, I've known people who say, I wasn't able to do anything. It was just a year put on hold in my life. It's, it's robbed us of something. I've nothing to account for in this year. It's come and it's gone and there's nothing to show for it. What Moses says, teach us to number our days aright. Count in days, not in years. And make each day count. Make each day like it's, it's your very last, is what Moses is saying to us here. Count our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Your heart is, is the wellspring of life, Proverbs tells us. Guard it, let it guide you according to God's laws, his guidelines. Let it be subject to God's leading and you won't go astray. Invest your life in eternity and you will fulfill what he says, establishing the work of your hands. Invest your life in eternity. There's a sobering passage in Ecclesiastes. I'd like to, to read it. Um, it's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, if you want to turn to it. Ecclesiastes comes after Proverbs, Proverbs after Psalms, then Ecclesiastes. And the very end of Ecclesiastes has a, a very, very curious poem, really. And it's about old age and, and facing death, really. So if you have your Bible, you might like to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Pardon me when I pick up my sheet. One of the difficulties here is we don't have the same props as in a church setting. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it says, Remember your creator in the days of your youth, in the days before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and strong men stoop. And what he is talking about there is the picture of the human frame. A strong man, once vigorous and vital with life. And now, even to stand up, his very legs tremble and shake. And I'm sure if you've seen elderly people, it's like that. The keepers of the house tremble and strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few. And he's very simply talking about the fact that old age brings decay and your teeth suffer they fall out and this was written in a time before uh, false teeth what he had was difficult to enjoy your food 
when those looking through the windows grow dim and even your very eyesight is fading, you no longer see. And what is that in the distance? I, I can't see. It's out of focus. Age is catching up with him. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, your hearing is getting less. You can no longer hear things sharply. And even I myself could say that both my eyes, my ears, things are not as sharp as they once were. When men rise at the sound of birds and all their songs grow faint, sleep, sleep is not relaxed and pleasant. It's not like the children I was talking about earlier in the, the Liverpool lullaby when in all the world you haven't to care. You're sleeping soundly as a little child. No, as you get older, you don't sleep so soundly. You're woken easily. And then you rise up and you think, there's nothing to nothing to look forward to. You know, I was just disturbed and I can't get back to sleep. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets and one of the consequences of age is you become fearful. Fearful of heights, yes. Fearful even of crossing the streets. In those days, 3,000 years ago, three and a half thousand years ago, streets were far less dangerous than they are now. See an older person trying to cross the street, it's distressing. It is fearful. Am I able to make it across before the onrushing traffic? When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire is no longer stirred, spring comes and the, the hope, the enthusiasm, the joy of spring. But when you're old, you have nothing to look forward to. There is no passion, no desire in your life anymore. Then man goes to eternal home and mourners go about the streets. And he's talking there about the mortality of man, that one day we all will perish, we all will fade. The body grows faint and dies. It's very sobering. Age comes on all of us, all who live to an age. Decay comes on us. Those of us who live a full life, and I hope I am one, our bodies are subject to decay. Our bodies are subject to failure. Our bodily members tremble and our senses grow dim. And Moses wrote that psalm, a very lonely, melancholic psalm, a poem. And Solomon was the one who wrote Ecclesiastes. He was a man as well who New loneliness, when you read through Ecclesiastes, you see that, the meaning, the emptiness of life. They were both men whom God blessed greatly, both men whom God used so much for his, for his own glory and for, for his own purpose. And yet one day, both of them knew, one day I will leave this world. I will leave behind what will remain of worth when I'm gone, is what Moses is saying in this psalm. What have I achieved? For Moses and for Solomon, they had achieved great things. But it's with that sense of frailty, the emptiness and saying, establish the work of my hands. Let me leave something, a lasting legacy. It's that yearning for, for meaning that all of us have. That sense of, have I achieved something in this life? Have I achieved anything? What have I done? 
What am I leaving behind for succeeding generations? What am I heading into is perhaps an even greater question. Is anything of my life of lasting value? When I was young, I thought I had so much time and it's gone. When I was young, I thought I will achieve great things and I look and I wonder, what have I achieved? Will I make anything of myself? And it's this awareness of how brief our life is, uh, that sense of emptiness is what causes Solomon in particular in writing Ecclesiastes, that we are departing. We're conscious of having done nothing perhaps of note. The cry is a desire for hope, for meaning and awareness of both our mortality, but also our eternal nature. Because if the grass grows over it, over that place, and it is no more, and its place remembers it no more, should Jesus Christ return in the succeeding generations meeting follow, immediately following us, will people look back and say, what has he achieved? It's one thing to leave something behind for succeeding generations, and we should, we should by all means long to see our children follow the Lord, to see our grandchildren, to see every generation following the Lord. But the greatest thing is, what lies ahead for me? What lies ahead? And I'd like to finish by reading a few lines from a, a, a poet poem. It's just a very short note by a man who was a Christian missionary called C.T. Studd. And these are the lines that he writes, he says. Two little lines that I heard one day, traveling along my life's busy way, bringing conviction unto my heart, and from my mind they would not depart. Only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one soon with its fleeting hours to be done. Then in that day, my Lord, I shall meet, and there to stand at his judgment seat. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. May the Lord bless the study, the meditation of his word. Thank you all for staying with me through this. May God bless you in the day ahead.